the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, this is Pastor Dale O'Shills of Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I want to invite you to tune in to our weekly radio program titled Practical Living right here on WAVA every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And I also would encourage you to join us for one of our weekend worship services. All the information about services and locations can be found at our website at church-redeemer.org. That's church-redeemer.org. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. So the challenge that God has for us as believers, as followers of Jesus, is that we all, we're always lifting the limits of our love so that we're not defined by and restricted by uh, small areas of love in our life. And I want to talk to us today about how you and I can begin to lift the limits of love so that we love more freely. We love more people. That love becomes a greater expression of our lives in all of our relationships. Now, to do this, there's some things that we need to learn. If you're going to lift the limits of love, you have to start, first of all, with you. Because you have limited yourself by certain things that you have inside of you. We all have issues in our life that hinder us from loving other people well. In fact, Jesus defined this in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7 as he was talking about relationships. And look at what he said about how we hinder ourselves in relating to other people. Matthew 7 verses 3 and 4. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Jesus says in our relationships we have a tendency to project onto other people the issues that are really going on with ourselves. And he says, you and I, we all have this tendency to pick out the speck in someone else and say, I can't love you because of that issue in your life. And the reality is we have this massive plank in our own life, this massive area of dysfunction, brokenness in our own life that is, is in reality keeping us from loving other people well. And many, many times when you feel as though you can't love someone or you can't love someone well, the issue is really not with them. The issue is with you. The issue is with us. It's something that's going on inside of us. That something may be the fact that we're just deceived about ourselves. We haven't stopped to think about what our own problems are, what our own issues are. And sadly, there are a lot of people that go through their whole life experience and never do very much self-awareness, self-analysis about their own personal issues, their own struggles in life. Sometimes it's related to the fact that we have some hurts that we've never resolved in relationships. We have some wounds that we're carrying around inside of us from perhaps betrayals of the past or woundedness from other situations or rejections that we've experienced. And so it limits us from loving other people now because those things are still inside of us. They're the plank in our own eye keeping us from really loving other people well. For some of us, we've formed judgments about people. 
unfair judgments about them or we're still carrying prejudices inside of us and it's a filter through which we look at other people and we, we don't love them well because the issue is not with them the issue is actually with us we've got the problem and until we're willing to acknowledge the fact that maybe we're carrying something around inside of us that is affecting how we view and how we relate to other people unless we're willing to acknowledge that and ask God to help us with that then we're going to be stuck with a lid on our love we will not be able to love well because we have issues that we're not resolving I have good news for you today the good news is that when you discover a broken place inside your own life when you begin to discover the fact that you've got some wounds and things inside of you that still need to be healed, and we all do, when you bring that honestly to Jesus and you open your heart to him and you ask him for help in overcoming the planks in your own eye, Jesus is very good and wonderful about bringing inner healing to our lives so that we can be in a position to love others well. But we have to acknowledge it first. So I would ask you today, in the difficult relationships of your life, in the people you're having a hard time loving, is the problem really with them? Is the problem really with them or perhaps is the problem with you? Is there perhaps something going on in your life that you're, you're filtering your interactions with them through something that has occurred in your life at some point in time and you may not even be aware of it, but nevertheless, it's affecting how you view other people and how you relate to other people. Many, many, many of our love problems are not problems, again, with someone else. They're issues in our own lives. And so if you and I want to lift the limits of love and love more effectively, love more broadly. It starts with who? It starts with us. It starts with you, and it starts with me. Here's the second lesson for today. To lift the limits of love, you and I need to understand the command. The command is very clear in Scripture. Love is a command. The Bible is not a book of suggestions. A lot of people read the Bible as though it's just like, hey, here's some good ideas, read it. Might be something nice to do in your life. No, the Bible is never designed, never given to us by God as a book of suggestions. This book is a book of instructions and commandments. God gave this to us to say, this is how life functions best. And because I love you and I care for you, I want you to know how life works best. And so I'm not just going to give you some suggestions, some nice ideas about life. I'm going to tell you how life works. And I will put it in the form of commandments and instructions so it can be very simple for you. And you'll simply have to make the choice to either obey or disobey. And that's really what it comes down to when we talk about the Bible. Will we obey it or will we disobey? disobey it. Will we do what it says or will will we think we have a better idea about how to live life? And by the way, you'll never have a better idea about how to live your life than God has for your life. Okay? You'll never have a better idea. But we have to begin to read this book called the Bible as a set of instructions to us, as commandments given to us. And there's one key commandment that you will find repeated in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, certainly in principle, many times very specifically in practical points. The scripture is very clear about our commandment to love as God loves. There is no question about it. Love is not a suggestion to Christians. Love is a commandment that we are to follow and we will either obey the commandment to love or we will disobey the commandment to love. 
And this commandment to love is very broad. It covers every relationship in your life. We don't have the opportunity to pick and choose who we will love. No, the commandment covers every relationship that you can imagine. Let's talk about some of those relationships just for a moment. You and I are commanded to love our families. God commands you, if you're a husband, to love your wife. And if you're a wife, to properly respond to your husband. And fathers and mothers to love their children. And children back to their parents. And brothers and sisters toward one another. We're commanded to love one another in our families. Ephesians 5.33. However, each one of you, Paul says, uh, also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Respect is a dimension, obviously, of Love, And so there you see in the marriage relationship, in that family dynamic. In fact, if you want love in the family, love starts in the marriage, okay? That's where it begins, in the marriage relationship. And so love happens in the home. We see a little broader aspect of this in 1 Peter 4, verse 8. Above all, love each other how? Deeply, not superficially, but love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. There you see, this is a commandment. We're commanded to love our families. We're also commanded to love our friends and our neighbors. Very clear in Scripture that once we get outside of the realm of our own household, we still are given a commandment to love friends and neighbors. Romans chapter 13, verse 10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus was asked a question one day, what's the greatest commandment of all? We've been studying it over the last several weeks. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Notice what he says next. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well, who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is anyone that you have connection with and interaction with in life. Certainly the people that you work with and the people that live around you and the people that you have some level of consistent interaction with, these are your neighbors. And so we're commanded to start in the family, to love our families. We're commanded to love our neighbors. We're also commanded to love our fellow believers in Jesus Christ. See, one of the marks of a Christian believer needs to be the fact that we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. The church needs to be a place where the love of God is felt and known. Amen? If the world is going to ever experience love, the world is not going to experience agape love, the real kind of love the deepest kind of love, the highest form of love, they're not going to experience it out there in the world somewhere because the world can't offer that kind of love. The world doesn't even have that kind of love because that love comes from God. And so if the world does not have a relationship with God, they don't have access to that kind of love. But we as God's people are the objects of his love. We have access to the love of God, and we certainly should practice that love in the household of faith with one another. And it's not always easy to love your brother or sister in Christ. Why? Because we're all different. Some of us are really different. Some of us border on strange, okay? 
We're all just a little wacky along the way, and so, but we're all a part of the family, amen? And in being a part of the family, we're all going to heaven together. By the way, if you can't get along down here on earth, it's going to be tough in heaven, I'm telling you. That's a long time, okay? And so we start practicing love down here on earth. We learn how to get along here so that we're carrying that understanding with us for all eternity. I'm so thankful I get to spend eternity with you. I'm grateful for the fact that we're a part of a family family together. We're not blood family, but we are blood family by the blood of Jesus Christ who's washed us and cleansed us and brought us together as one. We belong together. You belong to the family of God. I belong to you and you belong to me. We're part of one another. Why? Because we're followers of Jesus. We've knelt at the foot of the cross. and We've been brought into his family. And so even if you have a terrible earthly family, if you're a believer, you have a heavenly family that God has given to you and me. Jesus made this so very clear. John 13. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you know a lot of the Bible. Is that what it says? No. If you come to church every weekend. No. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you what? Agape. If you love one another. What is the mark of being a Christian? How do people know that we're Christians? By the fact that we actually love one another. Here the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4 talking to Ephesian believers says to us as well, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love, in Agape, And so we're to love our families, we're to love our friends and neighbors, we're to love our fellow believers, and then we're also called to love the unlovely. There are people in our world that we may deem to be unlovely. We may sort of want to write people off. Have you ever had that tendency in your life? Just going to write that person off. They're not very attractive, not very lovable. But even those that are unlovable need to be loved. In fact, perhaps they need love the most because... Oftentimes, people who are unlovable are acting out of a deficit of love in their own lives. And so what they need, even though they don't even know how to ask for it or seek it or be pleasing in a way that attracts it, they're still looking to be loved. The unlovable need to be loved. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6. Listen closely to what Jesus said. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Jesus said, if you love people who love you, big deal. Everybody does that, okay? It's not a big deal if you love somebody who loves you, right? Anybody can do that. You don't even have to be a believer to do that. You don't even have to know God to do that. If, everybody, if people love you, you love them back, hey, it's natural, normal. Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. So Jesus is saying what marks us as believers is that we actually love those who may not love us back. And we do good to those who may not do good toward us. We love the unlovable. And that takes us to another level. We're commanded to also love our enemies. That's really tough, isn't it? An enemy is someone that's opposed to you, someone working against you, someone that wants to do you harm in some way. And the Bible says that we're actually to do, to, to extend love. Do you remember Jesus when he was on the cross? And what did he pray as he's being crucified? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. He prayed a prayer for his enemies even while he stretched out on the cross. 
in Luke 6, verses 27 and 28. But to you who are listening, to you who are listening, if you have your ears perked, your spiritual ears perked up, to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Paul says in Romans 12, do not take revenge. That is, don't try to get back at people who are hurting you. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. We are to love our enemies. And then the sixth thing here, we are to love the loss. Let me talk about this just for a moment. The world that we live in, all around us every day, in our neighborhoods, in our places of work, business, our interactions with people, and the commercial dimensions of life, there are people that surround all of us that do not know Jesus. They have no relationship with Christ. Aren't you glad that you know him? Amen? Isn't it wonderful the fact that you've been saved and redeemed and brought into the family? Isn't it wonderful to know that your sins are forgiven? Isn't it great to know that when you die, you don't have to worry about where you're going. You're going to heaven because of the gift of salvation. Isn't that a wonderful, precious gift that you've received from your life, right? Isn't that the best news all? That's why the gospel is called the good news. And yet there are people all around us, people living on the street that you live on and working in the place of business where you work, that they don't know this. They have no knowledge or understanding. They've not opened their life to the love of Jesus Christ. They are, as the Bible refers to, they are lost. And if you don't have God, you are lost. If you're here today and you've never experienced God in your life, you're lost. You need to find the Savior. In fact, he brought you here today because he found you and he brought you into this place today. This is your moment to find him. But you and I need to love the people who've not yet come into the kingdom of God. We need to care about those who have not yet met Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. Because when you have good news in your life, the natural desire of someone with good news is to share it with other people. That's why you share stuff on Facebook. You get a good recipe. What do you do? You share it with somebody. You get a good news. You share it with someone. Why? Because you want to pass around anything that's good. Well, we've got the best news of all. We've got Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life. We have something to tell about, something to testify about, something to show to the world, our love for God. And so we need to love people that are lost. There are people in your world right now in my world right now that are waiting for us to show them some love and that love will be the link that leads them into a personal relationship with Jesus. You would not be here today. You would not be watching online today. You would not be engaged in this worship service if someone along the way had not shown you the love of Jesus, the Savior. Here's the third thing. What are we talking about today? Lifting the limits of our love, right? How do we do this? Here's the next thing. Practice, practice, practice. This is what John says in 1 John chapter 3. Little children, let us stop just saying we love people. Let us really love them and show it by our actions. That's a practice. That's something you do. It is practical. That's what we mean by the word practical. It is practicable. Okay. You're able to actually do something. So when it comes to the practice of love... 
I want you to know today that everybody can do this. It's not complicated to love. I'm going to show you how uncomplicated love is. It's just a practice. It's just something you do, okay? So I'm going to quickly walk you through 12 acts that you can do with another person that will demonstrate love. And the more you do these 12 things, the more love will grow in you and be expressed through you. First of all, you show love by connecting with other people, by making a connection, by building relationships, by reaching beyond yourself. You can't love someone if you live as a hermit all the time. You have to connect with people around you and reach out and risk reaching out to people around you. And so you make connections. That's demonstrating love. You bear with people because everybody's not going to be just like you are. People are going to be different. So you put up with people and you do so joyfully. You do so patiently. And every time you bear with someone, what are you showing? I'm showing you that I love you by bearing with you. And then you show love by covering people, by helping them when they're weak and covering over their weaknesses and helping them get through the challenging times of life. When you do that, you're demonstrating love. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. We show love when we forgive. Every time someone offends you and you feel upset about something, when you make the choice to say to that person or in your heart to say, I forgive you. I release you. I let this go. I'm not going to hold you to account for this. I'm not going to hold a grudge against you. What are you doing when you forgive? You're showing what? You're showing love. You're practicing love. You're actually doing this thing. Every time you serve someone, even in the smallest way, the service that you show is an action of love toward other people. Every time you give to another person, you're showing an action of love, serving, giving. Every time you do good to someone, it is an action of love. It's not just saying I love you, but it's putting it into practice. Every time you encourage someone who needs encouragement along the way, what are you doing? You're showing love to them. Every time you share something of benefit in your life or some resource you have with someone that has need of that resource, what are you doing. You're demonstrating love. Every time you listen to someone who's going through a tough time and a challenging moment, just giving them, lending your ears to someone who's going through grief or trouble or pain and being there for them, that listening act is an act of love toward them. Every time you assist someone who needs some assistance in their journey, and certainly every time you pray for someone else, you're demonstrating love. Now, I gave you 12 words These words are things everybody can do. I want you to say with me, I can do this. Say it together. If you can do those 12 things, you can love. Because every one of those 12 things represents what love is. Love is very practical. It's not ethereal. It's not a mythological thing and some weird, strange feeling that just sort of comes over you. No, love is demonstrated by the things that you do. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. 
Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Hi, this is Pastor Dale O'Shields of Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I want to invite you to tune in to our weekly radio program titled Practical Living right here on WAVA every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And I also would encourage you to join us for one of our weekend worship services. All the information about services and locations can be found at our website at church-redeemer.org. That's church-redeemer.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.